0: Hello everyone and welcome to a special crossover episode of HR Works and EHS on Tap. I'm James Davis, editor of the HR Daily
1: Advisor. I'm joined today by Justin Scase, editor of the EHS Daily Advisor. Thanks, Jim, and thanks to our listeners for tuning in to today's episode. Today we're going to be talking to HR and EHS executives at one of the largest private companies in the United States, Coke Industries Incorporated, about how their departments work together in order to succeed. Uh, based in Wichita, Kansas, Coke Industries owns a diverse group of companies involved in refining, chemicals, and biofuels forest and consumer products, fertilizers, polymers and fibers, process and pollution control systems, electronics, software, and data analytics, minerals, glass, automotive components, ranching, commodity training, and investments. With a presence in more than 70 countries, Coke companies employ 130,000 people worldwide, and about 65,000 of those are in the U.S.
0: Our guests on the show today are Walt Malone, Vice President of Human Resources for Coke, and Cheryl Corrigan, Director of Environmental Health and Safety for Coke. Walt joined Coke in 1991 and is responsible for Coke Industries' corporate human resources team and the Global Market Based Management Capability, which provides training and development services to Coke companies. He serves on the board of Georgia Pacific Equity Holdings, LLC, and Coke Business Solutions, LP both subsidiaries of Coke Industries. Walt, welcome, and thank
1: you for joining us today.
2: Hey, thank you for having us here. We appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. And we are also joined by Cheryl Corrigan, uh, Director of EHS for Coke Industries, where she provides oversight of Coke companies' compliance with regulations and internal policy, and tracking and ensuring follow up on emerging issues. Cheryl was previously Commissioner of the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency, advising the governor and helping set the strategic direction for the state on environmental matters. So, Cheryl, welcome and thanks for joining us.
3: Thanks, it's a pleasure.
1: So to start off, uh, could you both tell us a little about yourselves? Uh, what do you do in your current roles as the heads of human resources and environment health and safety at Coke Industries? And what drew you to pursue careers in HR and EHS in the first place?
2: Well, I'll go ahead and start with that. So thank you again for uh, giving us the opportunity to participate in the in the uh, podcast. And uh, so a little bit about my background, I oversee the HR function for the enterprise. Uh, A big portion of that is also really helping to drive market-based management, which is our philosophy, business philosophy and culture that Charles Koch uh, created. And for anybody that would be interested in knowing more about Koch Industries, they can pick up a copy of Good Profit, which is uh, a book that Mr. Koch wrote that describes a lot of the differences uh, in our company philosophy compared to what you might see in other publicly traded companies. Um, Just for background, I started with a company in training and development and progressed along in my career over the 29 years in various roles in human resources and um, had several stints in uh, various businesses, but kept coming back to, to human resources because I really felt like it was where my real strength uh, resides. And so have had a, a 29 year career with Coke Industries, most up in HR. But I think the real thing that attracted me to Coke was the differences in our management philosophy. It's just such a different approach. It's very refreshing and, uh, and is uh, really a key part of the success of the company.
3: Yeah, so so Walt's been here for what was it, 29 years, and and I've been with Coke for about 14 years now. So he's he's 2x me. Um, <laughs> but um, but I think it was Jim who gave my background, so I, I'm not going to go you know into that deeply. Aside from the fact that what really drew me to this company, I think Walt and I are pretty similar. He got a jump on me though, as I said, is really the 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 vision and and the way that the company um, is is organized around that vision. So, um, Coke Industries' vision really is focused on on um, what the role of business and society really is, and um, and all of the companies that Jim mentioned, um, as he was kind of going through the different areas that that Coke Industries has interests in, really are focused on one thing. And that is making people's lives better. And, um, and we, we do that every day at Coke by making things like transportation fuels and architectural glass and fertilizer. And I could go on down software mm-hmm. um, and electronics for that matter. Um, we, we make people's lives better by making the things that they want and need every day. Um, but doing it in a responsible way, meaning using fewer resources than our competitors, and um, and as I said, um, acting um, in a in a way that's consistent with what our partners and our stakeholders and our customers and regulators would expect from us as a business. So so that's really what what um, what attracted me to the company. And, um, and I think it's very unique. When you, when you think about business, most people um, think about it in terms of, of um, jobs and, and, and all of the, the economic benefits. And, and those are really important. I don't mean to minimize it. But really, all of that, all of the jobs and the economic benefits flow from whether you actually are truly making people's lives better. And so that's that's what we try to do every day, and we've got 130,000 people that that are focused on coming to work every day and knocking it on out of the park for all of us.
0: Well, thanks so much to both of you for for uh, helping characterize what it is you guys do. You know, when we thought of this episode, you know, Justin and I have worked together a long time. And I do the HR stuff, and he does the safety and EHS stuff. You know, and just like in our organization, where those are separate departments. These are often separate departments if companies even have both of them. And, you know, so what we're really curious is do like in your organization, do, does HR and EHS collaborate continuously within your organization or do you guys just sort of come together when you're needed to?
2: Well, let me take just a quick stab at that one, Cheryl, yeah. and then you can add your commentary. So, you know, from my perspective, one of the things that's really important about the way that we are set up is we are set up as, uh, you know, capabilities inside the organization. And everything we do is really to try to help the organization advance the goals of the organization. So we, we collaborate uh, across a broad spectrum of functions and capabilities uh, to really try to, you know, to, to achieve that end. And so I would say that, and, and, and a big part of what we do as capability leaders is really work to try to make sure we're, including the right people with the right knowledge and the right skill sets to, you know, figure out how we can do things better. And so, uh, you know, particularly with uh, EHNS and HR, as you can imagine, when you went through that long list of different businesses, we have operations all over the world and we're, we're an operating company and uh, where we really, collaborate a lot particularly are at our operating sites where health and safety is such a big component of us having an employment brand that says hey you can come to work here do really meaningful work you can uh, have a great career and at the same time know that we're working exceptionally hard on creating a very safe and responsible environment
3: yeah I mean while well, that's that's absolutely right every day I think um, the, the HR function and the environmental health and safety function, you know, really focusing on that health and safety piece is so important. And, and I started out by saying, you know, our vision from a company is um, making people's lives better.
0: Right.
3: And, and that starts with our employees. And, and so, you know, what Walt described is absolutely right. We've got facilities, operating facilities, sales facilities, warehousing facilities, you name it across the globe and and all of what we do starts with our employees and and it starts with number one creating an environment where where people can be safe regardless of the location right so so we have the same outlook whether we're located in Asia South America North America Europe we have the same expectations. Of all of our of all of our facilities to make sure that 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 crucial level of health and safety focus is there, so that our employees' um, well being is is protected. A couple of other areas where we really do collaborate uh, on a on a day to day basis, maybe even minute to minute basis. Certainly on the on the health side, you know, we talked about. Our, our employees, their individual health, but also um, from the perspective of communities, right? So each of our employees have families that live in those areas um, where we have our, our manufacturing or our sales facilities. We want to make sure that the communities that we operate in are also as, as healthy as they can possibly be. So we're focused on Making sure that, that our, our environmental compliance is where it needs to be and that we're providing opportunities for folks in those communities to participate in, in our facilities and so forth. So, so, individuals, families, and communities are an area where HR and HS is really, really connected. Um, we've got wellness programs, and Walt could talk more about it if, if you want to delve into the details. I think another area where we collaborate a lot is around learning. And, um, and our, our organization, our, our companies are all very, very focused on helping individuals, our employees, back to employee well-being, um, be the best that they can be, meaning um, taking as, as much as we can um, from the organization and talent from the organization, helping them to achieve their career goals, but also then in so doing helping us achieve a competitive advantage from a company perspective. So so really that learning and development piece um, from uh, an employee standpoint really important. And on the health and safety side, um, of course you know folks, folks' satisfaction and fulfillment um, with, their, with their job or their role is pretty important, right? We, wanna, we want people to feel good when they come to work, not just from a physical sense, but from a, a whole employee perspective, emotional as well. And, um, and finally, on you know, kind of a, the development side, um, it's, a, it's you know, connected to that learning piece, but, but really creating the right conditions for employees to succeed. So we have training and mentoring and, and other programs. So, so those three areas, I think, on a day-to-day basis, we're constantly mm-hmm. talking about. So I don't know. Did I miss anything? I don't think
1: so. I think you hit it. That's great. That's great. Thank you both for those, those insights. Now, Jim mentioned when he started the last question, you know, we've been working together a lot in these different areas of HR and EHS, but also in the course of our jobs, we're the editors, the content guys, but we have to work with a lot of other departments within the company to pursue uh, the publication's goals. So on your end, what other organizational departments do you most often find yourselves collaborating with uh, outside of HR and EHS, and how do these other functions support? the goals of ehs and hr
2: yeah
3: that's that's a great question i think i'll jump in and and take that one and then walt can um can help me out um so so i think walt said earlier that our company's unique in that we have we have a real focus on capability um as as a support for our businesses so so our, our environmental health and safety folks, that capability supports our business goals. Our human resources capability does the same thing. So we, we all work together to ladder up to achieving our, our vision, which is creating the stuff that, that you and I use every day, um, but doing it better than the next best guy. So so along those lines, Walt and I and and our teams talk all the time, there are a bunch of other capabilities that we um, connect with on a day-to-day basis. I'll just jump in with a couple um, and then then he can jump in. Um, Our our communications and public sector group is pretty key for us. Um, We want to understand, you know, kind of back to well-being of our employees, we want to understand what they want to hear about and what our communities think is important and um, and make sure that we're listening and then partnering, um, meaning trying to understand what we can do to achieve uh, the end that our employees um, from a learning and development standpoint are interested in or conversely, um, what our communities really really are seeking in terms of, of being a good partner for them. In some cases, um, you know, it can be more opportunities from an employee standpoint to, to seek out uh, uh, different areas of learning or, or interest. On the community side, it could be more involvement with um, STEM education, for example. So, so really trying to, to really understand um, basically, you know, what floats the boat and then how can we help and, and how can we turn that into a mutual benefit um, for both the company and for the, for the individuals or the communities in which we operate? Um, another pretty key group for us, um, or at least um, both, both the HR and the EHS and um, arena, is, is our assurance team. because they, And that's kind of the audit group. Um, I know folks get pretty nervous when they hear audit that has all sorts of negative or can have all sorts of negative connotations but really audit helps us understand where opportunities are for improvement so try not to look at it as punishment um and and at our company we really don't we look at it as a group of folks who are pretty smart and they're trying to help us see things that when you're involved in the day-to-day you don't necessarily see so it's it's an opportunity going back to the vision to figure out how to do things better than than what we're doing and they often bring in the perspective of what the rest of industry might be doing so from a benchmarking perspective even what the world might be doing um, in in those particular areas so so those are pretty helpful groups that that i work with um, from an environmental health and safety standpoint every day and i know walt has some other ones. Yeah, I would just
2: say from an HR standpoint, there are a number of different groups that we, we collaborate with. Uh, I would say the first one is uh, Coke Global Services, which is our shared service company. And what they do is they provide oversight and administration of a lot of what I'd call the accounting financial aspects of HR. And so that includes benefits administration, payroll, and a number of other type things like wellness programs, Uh, that we leverage across our entire enterprise on a a global basis. So they're a really critical capability for us. Uh, We also try to work closely with compliance. I mean, if we have any type of uh, activity happening within our HR front that is compliance related, we try to work very closely to quickly address any any concerns or uh, check into things, investigate things. So we try to be very collaborative there. So we work on a regular basis with our compliance and legal teams. So, you know, there are a number of other groups that we work with, but I'd say the other group that we really try to partner with significantly is all of our business units. And so we really view ourselves as business partners, trying to come along beside our our supervisors and leaders and really help, help build the capability of HR into them so that they can really address issues real time and 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 really manage our workforce in a way that's very respectful and and uh, allows us to achieve a lot of the, the the outcomes that we'd like to like to achieve.
3: I think it, I think it's you know it's a great question because when you really try to when you really try to break it down um, both Walt and I and, and you know pretty much everybody in the world who who works in in, in our areas, it all comes down to people, right? Health and safety and environmental performance and human resources, you know, this is kind of the, the captain obvious moment, right? It, it's all about people. And when you're dealing with people, you're dealing with all sorts of different challenges, right? So while talked about man, you know, we've got to think about our, our benefits programs and welfare. So that's kind mm-hmm. of back to kind of making sure that, that we're creating those conditions for just basic well-being of our employees. But then we also got to think about compliance and ethics. You know, what, what do people expect in our communities? Where, where should we be going to try to be, you know, preferred partners for, for those folks? What do our employees expect um, from a compliance and ethics and stewardship standpoint? Um, And then how do we create create opportunities for our employees through our shared services programs and, you know, kind of business aspects to make sure that, you know, we're not creating all sorts of horrible, frustrating experiences. (laughs) So, you know, I'm sure everybody on, on this who's listening to this podcast can relate to you have a piece of software that your company says you must use. And um, and it's buggy as as I'll get out and and it just creates an enormous amount of frustration. That's you know that's something that believe it or not that's a people based thing. That's a that's mm-hmm. an HR issue. It's a health and safety issue because it makes people frustrated. And when people get frustrated, they're not as productive. And when they're not as productive, we can't do what we need to do um, together in the way that we want to. So so it's kind of crazy. But even you know. Stuff like your your travel, um, how you how you account for your travel dollars and, and so forth, can be super frustrating, and that all kind of ladders up through Walt, and then sometimes up through me, depending on if there's you know a more significant problem.
0: I think it's you know, the, at least with HR, it's very difficult for employees to truly understand everything that goes on behind the scenes, and, and there's quite a bit. Um, it's very, you know, and I imagine it's the same with safety because they're just seeing the expression of all the behind the doors discussions, you know, whether it's safety posters or training and just so the opportunity for the employee to misunderstand HR and EHS is great. And I imagine that there is a similar capacity for misunderstanding between HR and EHS themselves. So the question is, how do you guys manage a conflict between your two departments when it almost certainly inevitably arises?
2: Well, I, I would say that it's, that's a really interesting question because the, I personally have not seen a lot of conflict between our departments. We have a, a we have a, an expectation inside our organization that when you have an issue, you reach out to the person and you talk through it and you figure out what's the right outcome that we want to achieve. And so I actually think that's a real healthy framework for us to be thinking about it. And, and when we don't agree and we try to treat each other with respect, but if we don't agree, then we ratchet it up to our supervisors and then, and then we, we, we will work through the issue and then once we get to a common understanding we, we both support it. So and that doesn't happen very often. I mean I do not I d I don't I can't even really think about the last time where I had to actually ratchet something up to my supervisor because I think the the desire to, for us all to be in the same team and to have success and to win and to create the, you know, significant value for our customers, we're also motivated to do that. Yeah. So I you know, there there really are there aren't very many conflicts.
3: Yeah, no, I, you know, it sounds, we sound a little bit Pollyannish, but that's <laughs> it's really kind of true. I, I will say every once in a while, depending on, you know, kind of where you are, there is, because every, not everyone, but, but most folks in our company are pretty self-motivated to to get after problems, as as Walt said. Sometimes they can, you know, kind of charge down a path and then realize that maybe they could have used some help. Um, so, you know, a, an example might be um, there's a, a health and safety incident um, at a site, and instead of bringing in the HR person right away to kind of kick it around, the health and safety person might have gone down a particular path and then needed to backtrack when when other facts or other context for that investigation or for that incident um, needed to be uncovered. So, so I, th- I think it's more. But, you know, to Walt's point earlier, that's pretty rare because mm-hmm. we are we are kind of set up in that in those capability groups that are constantly talking across across boundaries. And and so so those relationships are pretty well built. Um, I like your point, though, Jim, about the, the concept of some of the stuff that we deal with, especially in the health and safety arena and, and sometimes in the HR arena, I can imagine, is, is the consequence of stuff that goes on beneath the surface. And, and um, for us, um, that's really where we want to operate, right? We want to operate beneath the surface before it becomes a problem. And, um, and I think that that's what we real, we're really trying to achieve every day.
1: Yeah, actually, I'd like to play off of that a little bit. One of the things that Jim just mentioned is that sometimes misunderstandings among employees can happen. So it's great that your two departments manage conflict very well. But from your perspective, what are the most common employee perceptions, both positive and negative, of EHS and HR? And how do you work to improve any negative perceptions of your departments within your organization?
2: Yeah, so I I would say like one of the one of the uh, negative perceptions is that HR is just uh, there for purposes of controlling behavior and bureaucracy. And so we work really hard to to really try to establish an environment that supports us not being bureaucratic, you know, really trying to make decisions quickly, to try to get back to people quickly, to be very responsive. But I'd, I'd say even more than that, a foundational concept that we have is the idea that we, we tend to try to focus on general principles versus detailed rules. And a lot of companies, they have policies and the policies pretty much drive, you know, the decision making and uh, we have very few policies. So our idea is to give supervisors and leaders some guiding principles and then look at the unique situation that you're dealing with and then do the right thing. And so by, by uh, unleashing some of that, so a lot of people that come into our company from other publicly traded companies, they quickly, when they have an issue, they call HR up and say, well, what's your policy on this? And so if anything, it may be frustrating because we say, we don't have a policy. It really kind of depends on the situation. What are, what are you dealing with? And then we begin to work through that with them and start to build their capability to, to see, hey, this is really your responsibility to really figure out what's the uniqueness of the situation and then how should we go about treat, treating that that scenario? So it could be an employee issue. It could be an, a number of different things. So, so, uh, so I think that that's kind of a, a perception that can be formed Particularly in a lot of companies that you know, you go to HR, you're going to get an answer about a policy, and and so that could actually be frustrating because we're not given answers. We're That's trying right. to we're trying to help them think through the situation, and then really become a, I always say, come along beside them to help them think through that, and then figure out what's the right thing to do on behalf of both the company and the employee to to get the best outcome.
3: Yeah, I mean Walt really nailed it. So so in in our in our company, there's a real focus on on individuals being able to make or or being empowered, I should say, to make the right decisions for themselves. Um, We're we're here as leaders and as as capability groups to provide the information and guidance, those general principles that that Walt talked about. Um, But at the end of the day, it's individuals and their supervisors who who make um, decisions on on, direction. And so so I think that um, one, of the, one of the things that we really focus on, at least in the EH&S area, is, is the, the notion of learning versus blame, right? So, so you guys may or may not have have had the experience of, of working in an operating environment, but, but in historical perspectives, health and safety folks can, can be perceived or had been perceived as the cops, right? You know, the health and safety guy walks down the production floor in the in the processing units and says, "Oh my gosh, you didn't do this, you know, A, B, and C," and you know, pokes people in the eye about not following the rules. Um, and and at Coke, what we try to understand is, to Walt's point, the context. Okay, what's going on today? What what's happening? You know, what are the risks? Um, what are the what is the information that you as an operator or you as an employee need to help you um, create the, the environment that you need to work safely and also to be productive? How can I as your leader or your supervisor help you do that? So it isn't about you got to follow this rule, this rule, this rule, and this rule. Um, it's more about we want to create a, a, a safe and healthy workplace for you. How do we do that together? Now, having said that, that doesn't mean that it's the Wild West mm-hmm. <laughs> out, yeah. out in our operating um, companies or in our sales force. We do obviously have rules that, that we need to follow, and those are the regulations, and that's mm-hmm. why um, compliance is so key to us. But we also recognize um, that regulation doesn't always get you to where you want to be. Sometimes it's just not enough, and so, so having that mindset around general principles and learning and context versus rules and blaming can be super helpful and and i I think that it is the the secret sauce to coke industries um what really creates our competitive advantage compared to um other companies of our size operating in the same kind of um, sectors that we operate in we really try um to empower our employees in a way and unlock their potential to, um, to take what they do and make it better every day.
0: I, I can definitely say from experience that HR people also often feel like they're being labeled as the police. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: know, you
3: know, we share that, right? But we don't want we yeah. we want folks to, to look at us as a resource. And that's what we really try to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a real challenge. I don't think that employees understand the pressure that HR people are under from leadership. And they really are like the glue between both parties, uh, whether everybody understands that or not. Um. I want to shift gears briefly and talk about crisis preparedness and managing ongoing crises. Obviously, we're all uh, still within the uh, coronavirus pandemic, and it you know it raises the question about how teams like HR and EHS uh, work together to prepare for crises and also to to manage them.
3: So this is pretty topical, huh? We've got. A... <laughs> <laughs> We're all kind of living it, not just in, in the workplace, but also in our personal lives. So um, so Coke is no different than any other company. We for sure um, have emergency operations plans and, um, and they can be triggered by Natural disasters. So we have a number of facilities that are located in areas that can be affected by hurricanes. And so every year, starting June 1st, we're, <laughs> we're dusting off our, our hurricane preparedness um, plans and, and so forth. Um, so so we are not a stranger to to crisis management and crisis preparedness um, across our companies. I think that the, this recent pandemic, though, is is a pretty interesting riff, if you will, on what we typically do. And, and, you know, I was kind of puzzling over this the other night as I was thinking about, you know, what's really different here. And I think for me and I know Walt can jump in. On the eh side, most of the crisis management or preparedness that we do is short-term, right? A hurricane, uh, it's a short-term event. Now, some of the, the consequences of a hurricane can be a little bit longer term, but but um, but in the case of this pandemic, we've gone from short-term, real crisis to now sort of a midterm solution. Um, and then probably now we'll be, you know, drifting into a, a longer-term kind of perspective. And at each phase, we've had to adjust okay. and, and think about different, different ways to, to help our employees and, and kind of going back to what I said earlier, create the information and the guidance to help them make better decisions. In the early part of a crisis, you're really focused on in the minute, right? The short-term, in the minute, in the hour, sometimes in the day. Then you know, kind of stretches into well, what do we need to do this week? And and with some of these longer term issues that we're dealing with now, it's into months. And so, so um, so it's been pretty interesting. The other, the, so that time horizon and stretching out has been, I think, a challenge um, to recognize and then also to pace, if that makes sense. And I, I know Walt might have some more to, to talk about there. Um, I, I do think though that at the end of, of all of this, whether you know we're talking about hurricanes or pandemics, the, the focus here really needs to be on our employees in the field and and what what can we do for them. And I know from the HR perspective, We've had to do a lot. There are some very specific things that, that we've done mm-hmm. to help our employees cope, certainly in the short term. And maybe, Walt, you want to talk about a couple of those? Well, I mean,
2: just clearly uh, you know, early things that you have to do is figure out how do you uh, manage through pay practices and different things like that to give people the incentive that when they're not feeling well they should stay at home. So we we tried to look at some of the base systemic type things that could really give them the assurances that, man, if, if I go to work because I need a paycheck. So we we tried to design some of the aspects of how we respond to really try to encourage them if they're not feeling well, that they should actually stay at home
1: yeah. and,
2: and give them the, the incentive to really try to do that. And then, and then along the way, if they have exposures, how do we How do we handle those so that we can get the, you know, we don't uh, contaminate other employees if they've had an exposure. And so our our approach to quarantining and just all those types of things all come together to really try to put us in the best possible position where we can, uh, you know, because many of our operations are considered essential, how do we continue to operate but do that in a way that truly Gives people the proper incentive to do the right thing.
3: Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. Because you know we were all kind of faced with, all right, what do we do here? This is this is new, and you know something that that our employees, especially our hourly employees, were very very concerned about, and rightly so. And so, what could we do to help? Drive that um, well-being. Um, mm-hmm. at
2: the, at the, the, the other thing I would mention too is we quickly went to, you know, under our benefit plans, uh, we provide all, pre, you know, preventative care 100% the cost of that. We quickly added all of the costs for testing and other aspects of COVID-19 into that, so that again, we're really trying to align the incentive of the employee, so that if they weren't feeling well, they went to the doctor, they got tested, it wouldn't be out of pocket for them.
3: Yeah. And, and one last thing that I think is really important to, to talk about, and that is at Coke Industries, you know, we went through at the very beginning of the, of the um, discussion today, you went through, Jim, I think, went through the, the list of stuff that we make. So, so we are the guys that make toilet paper. Hallelujah. You know, that was a big deal. Um, we're also the guys that make gasoline and diesel fuel to move products back and forth. Um, we're the guys that, that make fertilizer for our farmers so that we have enough food. And so it goes, it goes on and on. Bottom line is the folks who work for us, our, our employees are, are making essential products. And so we were an essential business. And I want to just make sure that, that we recognize that while many other folks who are more office based um, were working from home, our employees were going to work every day even during the you know, very uncertain times earlier this year where, where um, things were just unfolding. And so they, they had an enormous commitment and continue to have an enormous commitment to you and me um, by, by going to the workplace. And Walt's team and my team and all the other capabilities and the site leaders and everybody else um, in Coke Industries has really worked hard to support those essential businesses. And I just want to give a shout out to everybody who's on the front line. They are kicking it every day and doing it in a way that, that makes me personally really proud to work for Coke.
1: That's great. Thank you. So we've heard a few stories, uh, from you both so far, uh, but do you, do you have any specific recent examples of how you um, specifically brought your HR and EHS teams together to accomplish something great at your organization?
3: Well, I like to think that we do it every day. <laughs> <laughs> every day is a is a good day. I had a friend who always said that, um, that, you know, every day is a great day because what's the alternative? Um, So I I like to live my life according to that. Um, So we talked about COVID. I think that that's, you know, pretty much in the forefront of of everyone's minds right now. And, um, you know, one of the great solutions that that Walt already talked about is really looking at our benefits and making sure that we were adjusting as we learned more and needed to meet the expectations of our employees. I think working from home has, and and adjusting how we view that, has been a a huge success. And we've worked, while while the the whole um, conundrum of the pandemic has been the transmission and how to reduce the the spread of transmission, the real focus has been on the HR aspects rather than the health and safety aspects at our company because because of the fear and anxiety that people have about, you know, getting sick and, and potentially having their, their um, families get sick. So, so the HR group has been the focus, I think is, wouldn't you agree, Walt, that, that you have been there?
2: Yeah. One of the things that I would say is, you know, when we, when we first, I think probably the best and most recent and relevant example is, you know, this COVID-19 uh, uh, interaction, because we, we quickly formed a, a cross-functional team, we had legal public affairs, a lot of people in HR and um, uh, communications. And you know. so when I look at this, I look at this not just as an HR and EH&S effort, but it was a Herculean effort from a lot of different uh, yeah. of our capabilities all coming point. together, really trying to have good uh, knowledge systems for what's happening. I think the real challenge that we faced here was each each state had different guidance that they were receiving and we were trying to and you know we've got operations all over the US so there's no way we could treat it as a one size fits all so we had to really collaborate and organize and communicate and and seek as much knowledge as we could from our like our public affairs group who is you know connected and really trying to understand at the state level what was really going on so that we could actually be responding to that appropriately to our workforce and so that it was meaningful and connecting because because uh, you know our workforce is reading all this stuff every day they're seeing all the media outlets and you know they, they want to make sure we're thinking about it in the context of what's important to them and so to the so I think that you know there's a lot of things we do every day I think a lot of those things kind of get overshadowed because we're busy doing our jobs but I would say this one, was really an outstanding effort from a broad spectrum of capabilities across the enterprise. Obviously HR and EHS played a critical role, but so did so many others too. Oh, yeah. So I I feel really outstanding about that because you could see each part, you know, figuring out how they could make a difference and making sure that we were really connecting to our workforce.
3: That that's a great point and and you know, we are global. So so things started to to evolve in in China obviously. Far sooner than they did in the United States, and so we were involved in that, and you know, kind of trying to understand how we could how we could help folks there. And so, so as as the the um, disease progressed across the globe, we were able to to bring folks together and and to Walt's point, really focus on those general principles versus detailed rules because rules don't work when you've got a whole bunch of different. Um, guidance or, or, you know, um, regulations um, that don't all always match up, right? So you've got to, you've got to really get information to, to folks so that they can make good decisions. And that was really the vision around our COVID response. It was, hey, we, we've, we've got to make sure that every employee has access to what they need um, to keep themselves and their families and their communities healthy. And, and that was really kind of what we did. So, so I think that that's, that's been a, a real success for us. I think another area that um, on a parallel um, path that we've really been focused on for the last several years at Coke and certainly across industry is really the transformation um, that technology is bringing. And so so HR and, and our EH&S capabilities are really working with our employees to, to make sure that as we, as we transform as we continue to transform our businesses and move move from manual processes to automated processes and move into different into different businesses and industry sectors that that the the well-being of our employees and their learning and development is front and center for us.
0: We just have one last question. You know, HR is always talking about creating a positive engaging work culture and EHS is always striving to build a healthy safety culture. I'm really just curious, how do these goals and processes for achieving them intersect?
2: Well, so I I, I would say it starts with our market-based management philosophy. We have um, eight guiding principles and I, I won't overwhelm you with all eight of those, but principle number two is around putting safety first. And and it's around stewardship and, and compliance and, and really trying to bring together uh, a safe work environment for our workforce. So when we, when we, we, we take these principles that we have really uh, seriously, uh, they, they provide the foundation for how we, we work and how we interact and how we create the culture of the organization. We have a number of other aspects of market-based management, but I think the convergence zone starts day one when employees start with a company and they start to see these guiding principles and, uh, and that we integrate these guiding principles in, in our philosophy into almost everything we do from an HR standpoint. And I think we do the same thing from an eh standpoint. Yeah. yeah. So, so I believe that the convergence zone starts there because we take those very seriously. We act on them. Uh, we set a very high bar there. And uh, the other thing I like to say is that we, we, what's really unique about Coke is that we try to treat people as individuals and not as a, you know, from every aspect of what, what we do, from how we define our uh, r which are roles, responsibilities, and expectations. A lot of companies will, will use detailed job descriptions and then try to fit people into the job description whereas we kind of take the opposite approach we start with the employee and we look at what their real strengths and capabilities and interests are and then over time transform their responsibilities around those strengths and when they when they can operate within their area of strength they see they just contribute in such you know incredible ways and meaningful ways and at the same time they they uh, find a tremendous amount of fulfillment from that same thing with our compensation structures. We don't we don't go out there and, and and just give people a a target, let's say you get a your incentive is ten percent of your base pay. We we don't have any of that type of structure because we want to reward people for what they really contribute to the organization. So we really do a lot of work to try to assess that. So I think there's a lot of things on the EH&S front that's similar to that, but I think it all starts with that, those guiding principles.
3: It does, and and the individual, and and one thing that I think is really different about Coke is um, when you go to other companies, often folks will talk about, well, this is our safety culture, and this is our HR culture, and this is our business culture, but they're all kind of independent of one another. We have one culture. We we really don't talk about safety culture. We don't talk about HR culture. We talk about our 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 guiding principles that that Walt talked about in our vision. And that is, are we really helping people? Is what we're doing actually better than what what somebody else could do? And if that's the case, it's Katie bar the door. How can we empower our employees as individuals to be able to to um, you know reach be as good as they can be. Reach okay. the high reach summit, their reach their full potential, whatever the words that, that you want to choose. But but it's all about, look, you know, every individual, what do you need? How can I help you as a leader get there? My job is to clear barriers and, and let those folks just get out there and create. And um, and it's amazing when when that is your culture. Um, what you can achieve. And I think Coke Industries is, you know, pretty successful compared to other, other um, similar kinds of companies because of what we do, how we do it, and what we believe.
0: Well, thanks so much for those insights. Uh, we've reached the end of our time today, but thank you again, Walt and Cheryl, for taking the time to join us today on this crossover episode of HR Works and
1: EHS on Tap.
3: Thank you thank both. You. Really appreciate the opportunity.
1: You're very welcome. We were glad to have you. And uh, thank you also to our listeners for tuning in today. Uh, Jim and I want to remind you to be on the lookout for new episodes of both the HR Works and EHS on Tap podcasts, and ensure you're staying up to date on the latest in best practices and compliance obligations with the HR Daily Advisor and EHS Daily Advisor. So until next time, this is Justin Scase for EHS on Tap.
0: And this is Jim Davis for HR Works. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.